notion of developing products for people with disabilities has got to include people with disabilities in the process. Fashion Meets Accessibility is a Kessler Foundation podcast that takes you into the fashion industry. We'll discuss inclusion, accessibility, and adaptive clothing for people with disabilities. In this podcast series, we'll chat with fashion designers, models, everyday people, and caregivers who are making a fashion revolution come to life. The industry predicts that adaptable fashion will earn up to $400 billion by 2026. In this second episode of Shifting the Culture in Fashion, Creating Adaptive Clothing for People with Disabilities, Nikki Miller, our social media specialist, interviews Mindy about the business end of the world of adaptive fashion. Can you tell us how easy it is for companies to make adjustments to make adaptive clothing accessible? You know, what do you say to companies who are like, well, you know, it's expensive. I can't do it. That's not our demographic. How easy is it? Well, one of the um, kind of phrases that I always like to say in, in any meetings is that inclusion isn't an initiative. It's a business strategy. It's a, a new revenue stream. And when you kind of break it down to, especially when I'm, I'm working with companies about understanding how to um, adapt their products, it's kind of recalibrating how they feel in terms of including people with disabilities, that this isn't something that should be considered um, a, a charitable um, initiative. It should be considered a, a new revenue stream, including a new part of our population and the largest minority that we have on our planet. And it should be something that they look at as a business opportunity. And once I start to position it like that, it's 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 kind of understood in a, in a different way um, that it yes it is the right thing to do it is social social good which is very important in the business world right now but on top of that it's a business opportunity yeah. so it is I I wouldn't use the word easy to adapt but more of that it is it's possible. And that it it doesn't mean that you have to start from scratch. It means that you take what already exists and modify it to make it easier for people with disabilities. And I think once brands and, and industries understand that they don't have to recreate the wheel, it's much more manageable for them to kind of get their heads around. So it is, and the fact that, you know, the fact that I could name five mainstream brands that are already invested in this population makes future conversations much easier. Mindy, you're no longer designing anymore. Are you just consulting? The way that I, I wanted to structure runway dreams and actually I didn't even think I got to mention this when I spoke here is that I started a a second company actually called Gamut Management um, that is a for-profit that we um, have clients from all over the world uh, with all different types of disabilities. We are the only company that solely represents people with disabilities from um, a a talent perspective. And I use the word talent because we believe that 
everybody has a talent, whether that is being a part of a focus group or filling out a survey or fit testing product, um, all the way up to being on a runway or in the entertainment industry. Um, And we are just solely representing people with disabilities. So now when brands come to us, we are connecting the population to brands and saying, you want to learn how to start to understand this population? Fantastic. I'm going to bring the population in and you're going to meet, I'm using quotation marks with my fingers, and understand who, who people with disabilities are because they by your side and with Gamut helping you and, and our expertise are going to help you understand this population, how to create products for this population, how to market to this population, how to have people with disabilities in your commercials and your movies and rebranding who people with disabilities are in the public eye. That's really brilliant. It's, it's very, it's so very brilliant. exciting. Yeah. So if anybody listening wants to be a part of Gamut Management, it's very easy. The only thing we require is that you have to have a disability. So gametmanagement.com, check it out. We would love to have you. What goes into the process when your patterns and textures, I was just talking to my colleague the other day who is a multiple sclerosis warrior. And she was telling me she has to stay away from certain patterns because it's disturbing to her eyes. Mm-hmm. What goes into the process? Well, it's, it's a very interesting process because the avenue that we went down is to have product for the masses versus more custom products. So for example, your colleague, products that would be very specific to MS would be different necessarily from muscular dystrophy, who ne- who wouldn't necessarily have pattern issues or, you know, vision impairments, etc. So putting that kind of process to the side, we try and focus on what are the highest levels of the challenges for vastly different disabilities and kind of approach it from that perspective. So even between the two disabilities I just mentioned, MS and and, mus- and MD, muscular dystrophy, commonalities between those are very much um, fine and gross motor skills. Um, having either hypotonia, a hypertonia. So the actual process of putting clothing on the body and doing closures is really challenging from a dexterity perspective, which of course then relates to the aging population, relates to the cognitive population who have to have the cognitive wherewithal to know that a button goes through a buttonhole. So I just mentioned very different disabilities that have one commonality right there, and that's closures. So being able to find different ways to have the product close on the body is something that just helped many, many, many people with very different disabilities. So from the perspective that we like to take, as opposed to other brands or smaller designers that are focusing a little bit more specifically on individual disabilities, we try to look at it from a higher perspective to see what are really you know, the top three challenges across different disabilities um, as it relates to clothing. What has your feedback been this far? Positive feedback, negative feedback, share your thoughts. I, I think it's probably 
the greatest part of my job or being in, you know, in, in the creation of Runway of Dreams is that we, there is not a day that goes by that we don't get emails or LinkedIn messages or Facebook messages with either how grateful they are or ideas that they have or feedback on the product. You know, one of my, and this is why I, I, always say I feel so lucky to have had Oliver for every reason in the book, Um, but also because he exposed us to a world that we knew nothing about. And for a population that is so vocal and so loyal and so um, interested in supporting each other is exactly what the feedback has been um, in that we are all in this together. And that is something that why I named Gamut Gamut is because we are all a part of the gamut. You know, that notion of that it runs the gamut. Well, our world didn't include necessarily people with disabilities into the gamut, so to speak. So it is it is something that I I, I love the most about the feedback and the and the ideas and the hacks that the you know people with disabilities have come up with to to help their lives in their individual lives they're bringing to us and we're able to translate that in a mainstream way is really really exciting what has the feedback been from Oliver how does he feel about this and your family it's it's been um, phenomenal for the whole family. Actually, uh, I have a daughter who's seventeen and another son who's ten, and to be able to you know even specifically show my daughter that women can do it all and be moms and entrepreneurs and run businesses and take a problem and turn it into something that ultimately hopefully helps the world is is a wonderful experience that I get to share with her. Um, Oliver, I would say the most um, profound effect that this has had on him is that he no longer feels alone um, in that his version of mustard dystrophy is extremely rare. He's one of 70 cases in the world. So the likelihood, likelihood of him even meeting anybody else in his life that has rigid spine muscular dystrophy is probably not going to happen. Um, And the fact that he has been so exposed to, you know, other rare diseases or other people that were born with, you know, deformities or missing limbs or cognitive issues makes him feel a part of something, you know, way, way, way bigger than him. Um, which is has been amazing. And even with my youngest son, he's growing up in a world that he knows no different. It is very typical and normal for him to be exposed to people with disabilities and has no fears about it, has, you know, if he, you know, sees somebody that you can't communicate or their communication is even grunting or through a computer, it is means nothing to him. This is very typical in, in our life. And I love that. I feel like it's been a gift to our yeah. family, my husband also. And I'm incredibly grateful for him because he is, you know, as I mentioned, holds down the fort. 
How do you feel now that your son is able to wear clothes he can relate to and uh, present to the world, present himself to the world? It's um, something that I, I, I think the best way to answer that question is it has become his normal now in that he doesn't even necessarily think that, oh, I'm wearing adaptive clothes. It's just clothes. And I know that we will get to that place in general where our world doesn't necessarily view this as clothes for people with disabilities. I think that eventually it's just going to be another category in the fashion industry for different shaped bodies. And the reality is who wouldn't want to use a shirt that has magnetic closures over having to button your your shirt? Why, in, you know, I, I think this will eventually bleed out that everybody's just going to wear clothes that have different types of closures or different ways to get in and out of them um, in that it's just going to be integrated into our, our mainstream vernacular. No different than, you know, um, the fact that you are wearing very cool glasses right now. Well, glasses, and as are you, purple yes. frames, I love it, started out as a medical device that was only worn by people who had sight impairments. Now it's a billion-dollar accessory business that people that don't even necessarily need glasses wear glasses because they look cool and they're fashionable and they're stylish. I really feel that it's going to be the same methodology with, with our product. That was my next question, accessories. Are you going to be doing anything with accessories? I, I think um, that this, yeah, the answer is yes, um, and especially footwear um, is is the next category that is going to be tackled. Um, it is, without a doubt, the most common email I get asking when footwear is coming because footwear really um, is, is very far-reaching in that it can affect um, – different disabilities differently, whether the the foot itself is different sizes and or if you wear braces or orthotics or prosthetics, very much affects the shoes that you can wear. And and it is something that will be the next evolution of our adaptive mission. When I met you in January, you mentioned becoming the next Betsy Johnson would have to wait. Are there any regrets by the choices you've made going in a different direction with your career? That's a great question. And thank you for asking that because actually nobody else ever has. I think one of the kind of life moments that I, I certainly don't regret, and if anything, I feel so lucky that... I had the ability to make a difference and make these modifications possible and and have connections in the fashion industry to make this a mainstream notion is almost unbelievable that with my background, I was able to make a difference makes me feel that I, I am the Betsy Johnson of adaptive. That's and the way I see you. Yeah. I look at you like that. Thank you. <laughs> so I feel that um, if anything, I it worked out even better and bigger and, and more exciting than I could have ever imagined. And I feel grateful. Are there any other success stories that you want to share with us today? I think the greatest success stories that I can share are when I get to be a part of an experience of seeing somebody 
who has dressed themselves for the first time in their life and they're 20 years old. Or uh, one of my most favorite stories, we did a show, uh, a runway show in Vegas um, with Zappos Adaptive. And I had one of our models had a, was she wore a prosthetic. And I believe she was probably in her early 20s living in Vegas. We all know the temperature of Vegas. And after she walked down the runway, she shared with me that this was the first time she's ever publicly shown her prosthetic in her life that she always wears long sleeves no matter what the temperature is because she didn't have the confidence or um, feel that it. she was embarrassed and upset that she had this prosthetic and that she could not believe the freedom that she felt being able to show the world and felt proud and even as a as a ripple effect of that and it was also the first time she ever even met anybody else that had a prosthetic, had a prosthetic or a missing limb and she felt a part of something and felt comfortable in her own body for the first time in her life is the greatest success i could ever imagine that i got to be a part of her story and and witness that is so magnificent that I, I, I feel honored. When you are creating or collaborating, um, consulting, who do you think about? Models, actors, nurses, who do you think about when you're designing? I think about um, the population in general, in, in totality, but this is very much a process of for the people, by the people. There really isn't a designer on the planet, myself included, that can design for people with disabilities without including people with disabilities in the process and caregivers and PTs, OTs, you know, medical staff, because it, it really does take a village. There will never be a standard size two, four, six, eight, ten in the world of disability, even within the the realm of muscular dystrophy, there's 40 different versions of muscular dystrophy that affect the body completely different. So just even thinking about that and then expanding it to all the different disabilities out there, the standardization is, is not going to be possible. So we have to bring kind of everybody into this and say, all right, let's work together and figure out how we can make some standardization of changes that are going to make life easier. And that's that's really what I think about each and every step of the process. What's next for Mindy? What should we look out for? What's coming up? I would say uh, what's next is is really the adventure that we're taking with Gamut Management. It is really um, put us into um, a position that we are rebranding the way people with disabilities are are viewed, are marketed to, are designed for. And I really feel that this is going to be kind of our platform in 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 changing the world and making it a, a truly inclusive place for people with disabilities. And from a a business perspective, that people with disabilities have always been pigeonholed into charity and that it always has to be a fundraiser to help people with disabilities and we are really working hard to say yes we did start out as as a nonprofit because that's the avenue that we had to take to make the fashion industry take a chance on us 
But now that the the market has been established, we can now spin off a, a for-profit that supports Runway of Dreams and change the world at the same time. What do you say to someone following your example? What advice would you give? I think the best advice uh, that I could give is always focused on your goal in terms of, again, when I first started Runway of Dreams in 2013, I was very much a for-profit. I, I didn't know anything about a nonprofit. I was a, a businesswoman. I worked in the fashion industry my whole career. I, I The only thing I knew how to do was to raise money for muscular dystrophy. So when I first started seeding the ideas to any contacts I had in the industry, I was constantly um, met with the notion of, love the idea. We can't really take a financial risk on something that hasn't been proven. So good luck. Keep us posted and and kind of let us know how it goes. And when you get many of those type of responses, you have to take a step back in, in anything that anybody is building or starting and saying, okay, that path isn't working. So what is my goal? My goal was to change the fashion industry to be inclusive of people with disabilities. How was I going to reach that if brands and companies were not willing to take a risk, a financial risk on something that had never been done before? So the best way that I could think about doing that was to take the financial risk off the table, become a nonprofit so that if I was absolutely dead wrong, they A, felt good about what they did, B, got a tax deduction, and C, I felt strongly that even though it was something that I, I needed help to even figure out how to do, I knew that the, the market was going to reveal itself. I knew that people with disabilities would show up when product would start to be created for them. So that's a kind of a long-winded answer, but my, my advice is focus on the goal. If the path that you're taking isn't working, figure out another path. And if you don't even know how to necessarily do that path, Go to people that do. Figure out ways that you can understand and learn and use mentors. And I got myself educated on what a 501c3 was. What did it mean? How do I do it? I actually think I spoke to Elaine way back in the beginning to pick her brain about being a nonprofit, any advice she had. And 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 don't be shy to ask for help. I think that you know, entrepreneurs in general um, maybe are hesitant to to ask for help, but that is the greatest thing that you could do in in pursuing your dreams is knowing that there's people out there that are smarter, more educated in in the arenas that maybe you're not in. So take advantage of them, and I did, and that's how Runway Dreams foundation was created. What do you say to any moms out there who find themselves in a similar situation as yours? You're a working mom, you're a mother of a child with a disability. I would say this, and and I, and I do hope that it helps other moms out there, um, in that, I, you know, I have to reiterate that I was, I guess, lucky in the fact that prior to Oliver coming into our life, we had no experience with disability. We didn't have anybody in our circle, our family circles that had a disability. 
So this was all new to us. I Muscular dystrophy to me was the Jerry Lewis, you know, uh, charity event that happened uh, telethon every year. That was the extent that I knew about muscular dystrophy. So it's a very, um, being a parent is hard enough. And then being a parent of a child with a disability goes to a, a place that I didn't even know existed. And I think that you have to give yourself a break in that it's, there's just no rule books or, or guides on how best to do this. And this is something that I, I learned over years and Oliver's 15 now, and I'm still making mistakes in that, you know, we'll have I'll give a perfect um, scenario is the last trip that we took, I had us doing, um, you know, we had one stop in, in our flight pattern. And as always, the first the flight came in late. And so therefore, we had to really hustle to get to the next one. And I didn't even, which is so upsetting to me to even say this right now, that I I didn't even think about how in the world was I doing that with Oliver? He can't run. He can't run through an airport. What in the world was I thinking? And so, you know, of course, there were no wheelchairs available. The cars that go through were not available. So my husband had to throw him on his back and off through the airport we ran. But I did, of course, beat myself up over that. Um, and, And then... I took a step back and breathed and said, okay, I made a mistake. I won't do it again. I'm very clear that decisions have to be made based on what's going to be best for Oliver. And everybody else in the family is just going to have to come along with that. And that, you know, nonstops are really the only way that we're going to have to travel unless it's a big layover or, all right, lesson learned, won't happen again. But it's that notion of, say, giving yourself a break. And, and I, I, you know, when you have other kids that don't have a, a disability, you, you try to do what's best for the family and maybe even your, your finances. Probably I took that flight because the one stop was more affordable than the nonstop. But I didn't think of the ramifications that it would have had on Oliver lesson learned won't happen again you live you learn you make mistakes and it's okay to make a mistake it's okay yeah and and many more will come i'm sure absolutely let's talk about fashion week anything happening (laughs) any projects going on yes um lots happening and and i'm excited to say and i hope it's okay that we do want to do more fashion discussions absolutely um, we're up with this podcast because i think it's really important for the population listening to find out what's happening, what are the trends, who is doing adaptive products, etc. Um, so our signature event for Runway Dreams happens um, during New York Fashion Week in September. Um, and we are definitely going to have our biggest event that we've ever had. It's happening on September 14th, right in the middle of Fashion Week. Um, we are Goaling to have the most models that we've ever had. Last year, we had 40. We'll see if we can even beat that this year. And all of our models are all different disabilities, all different ages, all different races. We really try to have a a true spectrum of 
what disability looks like. Um, and we have great brands supporting us with their adaptive um, products from Target to Tommy to Kohl's to hopefully there's going to be some new brands on the runway. But what I love is now that this will be our um, fourth show um, during Fashion Week, we are considered part of the calendar. We are considered part of true Fashion Week. And that is a huge, huge, exciting um voice that that we are sharing now with the industry and they're taking it seriously and we're considered a part of the conversation and we are finally playing in the big leagues now there's no bigger thing that happens in the fashion industry than new york fashion week so it's it's going to be a really exciting event. that sounds awesome do we yeah. get tickets to your show uh, why not <laughs> we will let you absolutely give you all the details oh yeah we can't wait to hear about it yes. that sounds awesome um what do you envision for the future when it comes to adaptive clothing and the fashion industry my my vision really is um, with the strong hopes that every brand, every designer has adaptive versions of their products. It, it should be considered the same way that even every building now is mandated to have handicapped bathrooms or cuts in the sidewalks for wheelchair users. I think this should be viewed no differently that a percentage of product has to be made adaptive um, for people with disabilities. And I also hope that we get to the point that we don't necessarily need to talk about it anymore because it just is. And it is no different than plus size or petite. It's just a different fit in the industry. I was on your website. For anyone that's listening in, go check out runwayofdreams.org. I was watching a video and one of the young men in your video, he said he won best dressed. Um, at school and that moment really stuck with me you know because people didn't see him in a wheelchair anymore they saw him they saw a bit of his personality absolutely that was garrison how does that make you feel and he is every bit of of how he was on that video um it's 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 just a beautiful example that Garrison does very much care about how he looks, and he is always dressed to the nines and has a very um, clear style. And whether, you know, he actually um, had a spinal cord injury, so I believe that happened around 16 years old. So he had a life before um, the accident and a very much a life after. And the constant that was important for him was how he looked and how he dressed and that he is very much going through his life not letting the wheelchair be a, a hindrance to who he is as a person and i think that is something that we can all learn from um, and something that we absolutely want to highlight and underscore in everything that we do at runway dreams thank you mindy thank you. that was that awesome was this is Joan Banks-Smith, the show's engineer. Stay tuned for a bonus question I got to ask Mindy. This podcast was recorded on March 2020 and was edited and produced by Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation. For more information about Kessler Foundation, go to KesslerFoundation.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the questions I've wondered about was models. Where do you get your models from? Whether you put out in social media, do you just stop people on the street? You have to have somebody to test this clothing out on. Absolutely. I would say getting models, um, and certainly one of the reasons why we created Gamut Management, has been one of the, I don't want to say easiest, but the most exciting part of what we do because... It's, it's an opportunity that people with disabilities just simply never had before um, in terms of a, a, a place where their voice could be heard. So whether that is putting out casting calls on social media um, or I have been known to chase down people on the street and ask them if they would like to be a part of focus groups or whatnot, certainly the, the community at Kessler, I welcome to, to be a part of this because – Again, the, the, the notion of developing products for people with disabilities has got to include people with disabilities in the process. So we welcome anybody with any disabilities to contact us, to connect with us, and we will do our best to get your voice heard or get you on runways or get you in commercials, um, speaking engagements, whatever the talent is. Again, why we call it a talent because talents really are is a very far reaching word.